Welcome to You Can't Get to Heaven in a Mini Skirt. My name is Jessica. And my name is Sarah. And if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us on TikTok and Instagram at Heaven in a Mini Skirt. And we just launched our Patreon. So please go to heaveninaminiskirt.com slash Patreon. If you would like to support us, you'll get one bonus episode per month. And today, Sarah, we got part two of the rapture. Part two of an endless amount of episodes about Revelation. Because it's a whole thing. It could go on and on. It really could. I'm tired this time. Last time you were tired and now I'm tired. I think we're both tired though because I just was hanging out in Jessica's family's cottage and then drove two and a half hours. But we saw each other. That was lovely. Oh, it was wonderful. We took some edibles and chatted for a long time. We've had a lot of fun. We're going to see each other again on this trip. And also there's people outside of this room. They are playing cards. I can't tell them to stop. And so I'm very terribly sorry if there's some background noise i'm going to do my best to keep that out but just for the listeners if you hear some laughing in the background i can't tell people to stop laughing even though i want to i they won't let me so yeah but i'm happy to record the podcast i got a beautiful view the sun finally came out but guess what we're going to talk about something really depressing right sarah yeah (laughs) or funny it could be either where do we even start We have quite a few things to talk about. So to recap, part one of our Rapture series was about the book of Revelation. We also talked about Sarah playing crucifixion when she was growing up. That was fun. We talked about quite a few things. Uh, The little scroll, the sweet little (laughs) scroll. Yeah, the little tiny scroll. So we talked about all the context surrounding the book of Revelation. All the things of seven. Yep. Seven bowls, seven scrolls. That could be like a rap. Actually, if we have a band name, we shouldn't name ourselves the Seven Bowls and Seven Scrolls. That's a long name, though. We're really into long names, though. So it's like our thing. (laughs) We talked about the different literary genres in the Bible, some of the symbolism in the Book of Revelation. And then we talked about the Book of Revelation. And today we have maybe a more rough outline because there's a lot of like history and random things about the rapture that came up in my research and I really wanted to talk about them. They don't all flow super well together. So this episode will just be in chunks. Yeah, just come along for the ride. Yeah, come along for the ride. Sarah has some interesting things to talk about. I have a few interesting things to talk about. I also posted something on Reddit. There is an exvangelical subreddit if anyone's ever interested. It's really good for deconstruction. I posted a question about what people were taught about the end times growing up because I just want to get some stories and it is fucking wild. So we might talk about that. So and just like another shout out to Reddit. When I was deconstructing, that was pre-Instagram. Like, and mm-hmm. people didn't really do that shit on Facebook. And there was no podcasts. There were no podcasts. So I like was on Our Atheist, which was like so cringy. But I'd say exvangelical is definitely nicer than Our Atheism. They have rules. And Our Atheism is... Our, our Atheism is like people like, look at how I trolled on Facebook. Yeah, it's like I'm trolling my 90-year-old great aunt who believes in God. Okay, so first off is Sarah's section. All right. So one thing that I had brought up during the last podcast that we're going to get into a little bit more, it's tied into the evangelical interpretation of the end times that I grew up with because there's a verse in the Bible in Matthew 23, 34. It says... I tell you the truth, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. And it's referring to Israel being reinstated. Yeah. And so initially, like when Israel was reinstated in 1948, okay, I'm on gotquestions.org right now. And they're like, people used to think that it would be the same generation once Israel was reformed, that there'd be a coming of Christ. But as time has passed since 1948, the definition of generation had to be adjusted. Normally, oh, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, they're like, that didn't work. They're so. backpedaling so hard on God Questions. And so work. what they're saying is normally a generation is thought to be about 30 years. It has now been over seven years since the end of the British Mandate of Palestine. And seven years is far beyond any standard for one generation. So they're saying this is a misunderstanding. Oh, stop it. I don't think they would have said this is a misunderstanding in the 90s. Maybe they would have. And obviously, gotquestions.org is not the same as the Baptist church I was raised in. But I was told, like, Israel's been reinstated. 
And that means that within the lifetime of people that were like alive at that point, even if, you know, someone was just being born, Jesus will come back. So that was essentially the thing. Like, we don't know what moment Jesus is coming back, but like he's coming back damn soon to Israel being reinstated. And Zionism, particularly like Jewish Zionism was Jews from the diaspora. So Israel as a state didn't exist for hundreds of years and Jewish people were scattered all across the globe and then Jewish Zionism was wanting to reinstate Israel and to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem and that came to fruition in 1948. Obviously there had been horrible things like the Holocaust and it was a place for people to go to. It also involved kicking Palestinians out. I'm not going to get into all the conflict because I think that there are human beings on both sides and it's complicated but there are Christians that I grew up around, especially once I was in the New Frontiers Church in the UK, there were a lot of people that were like, oh, we got to support Israel. And like, it's so good that Bush supports Israel. Like, But the problem is the reason that they're supporting Israel is not anything to do with Israelis, no, not no, anything no. to do with Palestine. It's to do with the fact that they think that Jesus will come back because of it. Yeah. So there are quite a few verses from the prophetic books that we got into last time. Like there's Jeremiah and Jeremiah 31, 35 to 37. He speaks about the enduring of God's covenant to the Jewish people. If you're not super familiar with the Bible or Christianity, essentially like God's OG people were the Jews. And then Jesus came and died. And then he's like, oh, Gentiles, everyone can be my people. And then, like, the Jews that didn't accept Jesus, he's like, oh, they're astray, whatever. He's like, they're, the Jews are going to come back, and some of them will be saved. So that's essentially the vibe in a lot of these verses. Like, in, Some of them will be saved as in they'll convert to Christianity. Yes, they will accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, and he will enter their hearts, and then they'll get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then <laughs> Jessica's eyes are rolling, if you can't see. <laughs> But the one verse in Revelation that applies to this, it's like in Revelation 21, 12 to 14. It's like the description of the new Jerusalem in the book of Revolution includes the names of Revolution. the 12. <laughs> the Revelation. Revelation. In the book of Revelation includes the names of the 12 tribes of Israel inscribed on its gates and the names of the 12 apostles about Jesus on its foundations. And Christian Zionists interpret this as an indication that Israel is still significant in God's plan for the world. And so the issue with this school of belief is that these people, they're like sending millions and millions of dollars in foreign aid to Israel. And I've dealt with Christians that are very prejudiced against Muslims. And they're like, Ishmael was because like Abraham had Isaac and that was his chosen son. And that's where the 12 tribes of Israel came from. But like before God blessed Sarah with a pregnancy, Abraham and Sarah tried to take things in their their own hands. And the servant of Sarah, Hagar, slept with Abraham and then had the son Ishmael. And Mm -hmm. then Sarah cast Hagar and Ishmael into the desert. And so all the Arabs are said to have descended from Ishmael. And so the Christians are like, if he had just listened to God's original plan, then there wouldn't be Islam. And now they have Islam and it's like what the demonic and it's trying to take over demonic. the world. Oh my God. Yeah. Anything, you know, what's great about these Christians, not all Christians, just these Christians is that like, if they don't like it, it's demonic. Like they just slap that label on it. Yeah. And I mean, so Christian Zionism, I think people that push it to the point where they're dehumanizing Palestinians and they're viewing like what happened when Israel was formed as like no that was their right to that land before I'm like okay y'all live in North America how about you all move then because we stole the land away from the indigenous (laughs) people and like history is just a repeat of people going in and colonizing and I know I just went on a total rant all right so back to Zionism can you explain to me like well can you explain to me what it is because we jumped into Israel-Palestine, yeah, and we didn't really talk about Israel actually being reinstated and what the history is surrounding that. Is there anything that you can... Yep. Yeah. So I can rewind a little bit. So Christian Zionism is a belief system and a political movement that emerged in the 19th century. 
and it's mm-hmm. basically based on the idea like you had said establishing the state of israel that it's the fulfillment of the biblical prophecy mm. and that the jewish people and that particular area of land are significant in god's plan for the second coming of christ and judging everyone and casting people into the lake of fire and all that fun (laughs) stuff and so christian zionists they believe not just for their own motivation but they believe that jewish people are in particular a special group of people chosen by god and they think that they have a divine right to the land of israel That's why Christian Zionists are very adamant about supporting the state of Israel when you're looking at like funds that you're sending or even on a military level, politically. Mm. We know that the United States and Israel are very strong allies. It's sad to think and very bleak to think that part of the reason why the U.S. is trying to keep Israel as a nation is because of the book of Revelation and the Bible by the biblical prophecy i'm not saying that's the only reason why they're doing that but it certainly is part of the reasons and i can give you like a few of the reasons that they have this theory how what like where the basis of this is coming from so in the book of revelation it has a few passages that are interpreted in the framework of christian zionism and so these are again related to the restoration of israel So they believe that the reestablishment of Israel fulfills biblical prophecy and it it signifies the beginning of the end times and the preparation for the return of Christ. So that's why some people that we've talked to, they had pantries full growing up because they were like, you never know when the second coming's happening. So what is so crazy that you say that is we met people in this community and they actually had stockpile like their parents had stockpiles and i thought that they were joking because i was like there's no way that that's that common that is ridiculous i don't think it's that common i don't know i've heard it enough to be like but i am in the deconstruction community and uh it seems more common than it should be there's a different reason to be a doomsday prepper than there is to be like a revelation doomsday prepper like those are totally different levels when i was doing research i think it makes me so it makes me so sad that there's all of these young Christians that think that Jesus is just about to come back and like they don't care about anything because they are just like, well, Jesus is going to come like any day, any but day. But it's like it's always been this way. I know. That's how I felt growing up. Like mm-hmm. I just remember having nightmares about everyone being taken up except me, like very left behind style ask all the Christians just disappear. And I remember just like thinking about this a lot as a child, like, oh my gosh, what would the world be like? And people aren't even going to connect it to God. They're not even going to believe after all that happens. And I'm like, how could they not believe? Because it's not real. Because it's not real. (laughs) It's not real. But, okay, so when we met, we were 12. Is this something that you thought when you were 12? You were like, I gotta uh, see. Absolutely. Did you, were you trying to like save your friends? Yes, of course I was. Jessica, I strategically (laughs) prayed for you and fucking had you on the list of people that I prayed for that weren't Christians. And I What? Yeah. Have we not talked about this? I basically groomed you. No, that sounds fucking crazy, but it's like grooming when I think about it now. Like first, you know, you you get up the courage to mention that you're a Christian. You might like slip it in. Or I remember on my MSN profile, it was like in like my religion, I'd put Christian and that was like very strategic. I took a lot of courage to put that. And then I remember like wanting to invite my friends to youth group and camp. And yeah, no, the motivation was that so everyone would become a Christian. And you did this what? too. You did this shit too. I did? Okay. Yeah, you on. were like, we had this one friend. We'd be like, we need to get her to come to camp. We need to get her to... No, we all had this mentality. You know what's really funny? In my recollection, I don't think that I was like, oh, she needs to be saved because she's not saved. She's going to go to hell. I think it was more like, she'll have a lot of fun here because I have fun here. Like, I had fun at camp. You're walking it out, man. I know. I know. She who was crying after touching a dick, like, you're blocking it out. <laughs> this happened. Like, this happened. I'm not crazy. Like, we were like, oh, I'm worried about her. I want her to become a Christian. It's so weird because I... I hate myself. Do you hate yourself a little? Like, do you just want to, like, crawl into a hole and die right now? 
I've gone through those moments in deconstruction and I'm like, I've even like talked about this not long ago in therapy. And to me, it was a very rational thing that I'd want to do that if I believed that the end of the world was imminent and that people who didn't accept Jesus in their hearts were going to be tortured forever. Like I probably wasn't doing enough if I firmly believe that. That's true. Your intentions were so pure, but you were also so young. Like, we're only in our 30s. Like, we have so much more growing to do. But I've certainly grown up a lot since I was 15 years old trying to get my friend to come work at camp. Like, the intentions and our belief system, our beliefs were just so black and white at that time. And I mean, that's that's how I've been raised I remember like meeting the first person that wasn't a Christian and my mind was blown because I just thought everyone was a Christian until I was like five and then and the person that I met that wasn't a Christian was a Catholic because we know (laughs) we know how that goes (laughs) no they're not real christians i definitely wanted to convert you when baptist sunday school they're like invite your friends invite your friends that aren't christian like tell your friends about like you're told to go your eyes were so crazy invite your friends you're told to go out into all nations and preach the gospel like i converted people all through my childhood did any of it stick for anyone ah obviously i do a very good job because i'm trying to think and i think every single person that i brought to church are no longer in fact the the people that you brought to church are now on a podcast bashing the church so yeah (laughs) good job sarah (laughs) okay so i can continue the first point was like restoration of israel and then we got to jerusalem it's holy because it's going to be the eternal capital and then you get into the battle of armageddon so Revelation <laughs> describes that final battle in Revelation sixteen sixteen, where it's like good against evil. And some Christian Zionists think that this is going to be a literal battle that's taking place in Israel, leading to like the ultimate triumph of God. And yeah, so they just really think it, that like overall that Zionism, the restoration of Israel has a super important role in God's plan for the end time. And that they see, like, Israel's existence as a sign of God's faithfulness. And I will say, Jews as an ethnic group or as a religion, they are, like, one hell of a resilient group of people. Like, they have been persecuted everywhere they've gone and shit on and hated. And you know what? They're very resilient. And Mm -hmm. me questioning the legitimacy of Christian nationalism has nothing to do with, like... I hate anti-Semitism and I hate that there's been a rise in it in recent years, especially in the United States. Mm-hmm. I have a question about Zionism. Sure. In your research, did you come across anything that talked about the establishment of on the Mount, worship place on the Mount? Like the rebuilding of the temple? Yeah. So the rebuilding of the yeah. temple? Not when I was researching, but just from like memory. Knowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you explain that if you remember? As far as I understand, part of this prophecy is reestablishment of Israel is number one. And then number two is rebuilding the Holy Temple in the same place that it was before. Except right now, it's like a massive mosque. Yeah. And so obviously, like the Jewish and Christian perspectives on this are a little different in judaism the rebuilding of the temple is more something that they hope for because it's the original temple that king solomon had built and then it was like destroyed by the babylonians and then the second temple was constructed by the jews after they returned from exile but the christians are that are believing this are like we need to rebuild it because then the prophecies from daniel and revelation are going to come to fruition we need to physically rebuild this temple and then jesus will come back and sit on the throne in this temple oh gosh yeah so the jewish reasons i can't comment on because i'm not jewish nor do i know like any real jewish history but i can comment on the christians because they're all crazy the christian reasoning it feels very silly and far-fetched to me and i mean the mosque has been there a very long time sure has be a pretty fucking big deal to get rid of it like anyway that's all i have to say like i am not an expert on this i just i think it's good for us to relay the information but our opinions are like just take them with a grain of salt because we are not experts on zionism or israel-palestine conflicts or muslim christian conflicts yeah so zionism The reason that I really wanted to talk about that is because I read a a book that we're going to talk about in a second called The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. And I, okay, 
let's be real, I didn't read the whole thing. Read probably about half of it, all in all. Just skim through it because it's really stupid and long. <laughs> I'm just being honest about where we're getting our information. And he talks about the reestablishment of Israel. And so I was like, okay, this is something that actually like needs to be explained a little bit. So the late great planet Earth. So this is a book that I came across because of Bart Ehrman, who I love so much. And we talked about him in the last episode quite a bit. He wrote a book about the end times from like kind of a historical and biblical scholar point of view. And he's awesome. So he talks about this book. Is this book written by a Christian or a non-Christian? It is written by a Christian. Okay. So Hal Lindsey is a well-known author and television host who gained his fame through this book. It was published in the 1970s. So like wild time. The 70s are crazy. He at the time became one of the most recognized figures in end time prophecy so like oh wow i think the reason that perhaps me and you hadn't heard of him and i'm assuming you haven't heard of him is because we were born in the 90s yeah and by the time the 90s happened nobody was really reading this book anymore we were on to things that this book influenced such as left behind series the left behind series exactly like this book was a huge influence on today's society the whole book is a lot of talk about various biblical prophecies being fulfilled. We can't, we don't have time to talk about the whole thing. Like, the whole thing would take a whole episode. I just want to say that he has written like a thousand fucking books. Like if I'm just looking through his Wikipedia list, like it's just a huge fucking list of books. It looks like Sean McDowell's shoe collection. Um, does he have a big shoe collection? Yeah, he just posted this new post on Instagram and it was like, look at my newest kicks. Oh. And it's like a closet full of fucking shoes. And I just tagged preachers and sneakers again yes, that's such yeah, a good preachers and sneakers yeah. that's great i hope they i hope they see it so the late great planet earth we're gonna go back to how Lindsay. i have some quotes from the late great planet earth i'm gonna read them so quote sometime in the future there will be a seven-year period climaxed by the visible return of jesus christ Most prophecies which have not yet been fulfilled concern events which will develop shortly before the beginning of and during this seven-year countdown. The general time of the seven-year period couldn't begin until the Jewish people reestablished their nation on their ancient homeland of Palestine. So Zionism, he's like a huge Zionist. And again, he's like, this is like the biggest sign that now the seven-year period can begin at any time. So the Israel was reestablished, like you said, in 1948. In Matthew 24, verse 21 to 22, I think we just talked about that. He states that mankind will essentially bring itself to the brink of annihilation, and then Jesus will come to end in the Battle of Armageddon. Hal Lindsey thinks that it's basically just going to be like disaster after disaster, and then Jesus is going to come back. I just want to say before I continue, though, how popular this book was. We'll, We'll talk about that when I'm done reading some quotes, but just keep that in mind. But this isn't just an obscure book. It's very popular. So another quote is, quote, to be specific about Israel's great significance as a sign of the time, there are three things that were to happen. First, the Jewish nation would be reborn in the land of Palestine. Secondly, the Jews would repossess old Jerusalem and the sacred sites. Thirdly, they would rebuild their ancient temple of worship upon its historical site. There is one major problem barring the construction of a third temple. That obstacle is the second holiest place of the Muslim faith, the Dome of the Rock. This is believed to be built squarely in the middle of the old temple site. Obstacle or no obstacle, it is certain that the temple will be rebuilt. Prophecy demands it. This is, I mean, oh God. This whole book really helped popularize this view. Exactly. To young evangelical people. So the reason that I came across this book is because Berterman talks about it. And he was heavily influenced by this book. So he went to college in the 70s. And he said when he went to college, everyone was fucking reading this book. And everyone was like, the end times are here. The Cold War is happening. This is a sign of the end times. So part of the events that he connect, like how Lindsay connects the end times, one of them is like wars and conflict. And specifically the Cold War is one of them. Okay. Which is funny to think about nowadays. Well, it's not funny. But like, sorry, it's not like funny, haha. It's funny, weird. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing that he talks about in the book is the Antichrist and the one world government. Yes, and government. he has his own interpretation of the Antichrist. And he <laughs> talks about how the establishment of the EU, the European Union, <laughs> is the one world government. So, thing also, 
is that he says like technological advances are a sign of the end times and computerized identification system could be used to control and monitor people Christians wouldn't be allowed to use their debit cards. Yeah. So can you talk about it? <laughs> Unless they denied Christ, they wouldn't be allowed to buy or sell. Unless they bowed down to the Antichrist. He's going to make them worship him. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had to worship. You're just like, I don't understand. I'm not I don't understand any of those words. I know, I know who you're talking about, but I barely remember that story. But they also think that people are going to get microchips put in them and that's going to be the mark of the beast barcodes i heard about barcodes being the mark of the beast like barcodes how are barcodes a mark of the someone beast? showed like, me on- they're like this is a barcode i like see how these three lines come down like the- there's thicker lines this means 666 by the like- way you're holding up a cannabis <laughs> drink and you're like look at the barcode on my cannabis the barcode they said that like the thicker lines meant 666 i don't know this is what I was told. This person had a theology degree. This was my youth pastor <laughs> in 2001 that was like... But like, what about barcodes? So the verse that people... That this comes from is like, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, mm-hmm. and that no one may buy or sell except who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And so people think that's microchips. Yeah. Yeah. Microchips or people have thought that like the UPC scanners, like they thought it was like the barcodes. And like I guess it's products. An- they thought they were going to get them on people. No, that they thought on products. Some people thought that it was like a sign of the mark of the beast. I think. Okay. And anyway. they said, okay, this is the, there are three longer bars in each code, one in the front, one in the middle and one at the end. And some people would say that <laughs> represents three sixes. Jesus Christ. And this is a Wired article. They're Jesus, calling come it, take me. They're calling it an urban legend. But my youth pastor believed that. Yeah. And in 2001, I was like, oh, my God. And I mean, then you get into COVID vaccines. and That ties into the World Economic Forum, if you really. Okay. So tell me about the world. <laughs> okay. I this might not make it into the podcast. It depends how and how fucking batshit this is. So World Economic Forum. This is about as batshit as it gets. So I spent about don't judge me, about two or three hours of my life, like when I was sick in bed, like going down the TikTok rabbit hole when? on this. Like recently? Yeah, like Saturday. <gasps> like like last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's all it's all fresh in my mind. So essentially, the World Economic Forum. Oh, what's a guy that founded it? I don't even know what the World Economic Forum is. Should I know what that is? Yeah, you should. Shit. It was founded by Klaus Schwab. And basically, like, Klaus Schwab, his dad and grandfather had ties to the Nazis. So he's a German engineer. And I guess, like, it's been going on since, like, 1971. And essentially, there's, like, all kinds of actors and, like, Really powerful people like Justin Trudeau goes there, like Barack Obama, Trump, politicians from all around the world, the German prime minister, like all of them. All okay. And world leaders are going there. World leaders okay. are going there. And they have a meeting every year in January in the middle of the Alps, like in Switzerland. And Oh my God, this is starting to sound familiar. Okay, it brings go. about 3,000 paying members for up to five days and they have 500 different sessions with like different speakers they talk about things like global redesign the great reset so they're like a pretty powerful organization with lots of think tanks lots of people like getting together making deals and stuff but the conspiracy theorists think they think that COVID was planned by the World Economic Forum. Okay, I didn't think we were going that direction. <laughs> to get people desensitized to wide government control of its populations. And the World Economic Forum's ultimate goal is to have a one-world government. This is what the conspiracy theorists say. Mm-hmm. A one-world government where communism is like the thing for everybody. And if they want to like implement a social currency. Yeah. So there's an episode of Black Mirror like that. Yeah. Essentially, they think like all the things on Black Mirror are going to happen. And then there are some Christians that are going down this rabbit hole that are like this. Well, actually, well, actually, Nikolai Carpaccio. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, actually, this fits in really nicely with Kirk Cameron's movies and Left Behind. (laughs) And he is super mentally stable as we know. 
No, he's a no, grifter. We're not, we're not talking about Kirk Cameron No, today. we can't. I've already given him enough screen time. Yeah, Rest and enough of your time and your brain. Yeah. He's living in your head rent-free. Don't let him. Go away. What do they say? Like, get away, Satan. Get away. Get away. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Kirk Cameron, <laughs> leave me the fuck alone. Um, And then they believe that Elon Musk wants to microchip everyone, and then they're going to control our thoughts, and, like, no one's going to be allowed to be a Christian, and... They're so persecuted. But I remember being like, in the end times, like, they will kill people for being Christian. They'll go up and they'll hold a gun to your head and they'll be like, are you a Christian? Yes or no? And they'll shoot if you say yes. And like, if if you say no, then you're not a true Christian. Yeah, actually interesting that you say that with like the true Christian thing, that there's this like belief that they instill into children of maybe more intense Christian denominations, obviously not all, that like, it's almost a fantasy that someone comes and like a shooter comes in and then he's like is there any questions here and then you stand up and say yes and then you die i did i'm see not that. laughing it's not funny but like it's this not shit funny. was told it's, to us like it was and eve was framed on tiktok that's a tiktoker that we yeah. follow she had a video once saying that when she was younger she fantasized about that same i i did too oh no well because you're taught when you're a christian you're taught that the world wants to persecute you and if you're being Mm -hmm. persecuted that's a sign that you're a true christian because you're the salt and the light in the world and what you're doing it should be going against the grain so everyone's pissed off you know why everyone's pissed off christians in the united states right now that are fucking homophobic and transphobic we're pissed off because you're assholes we're not pissed off because like you're special and you're going to heaven and we're not you know that's what cults do (laughs) yeah they're gonna say that you're crazy and then we're going to change the world. Yep, same thing. This is triggering me. Like, this fucking end time shit. Because this is, like, the nuttiest fringes of the people that I grew up around. Not everyone was, like, this out to lunch. I had a cab driver two years ago. Did I tell you about this guy? No! Okay. Oh, no, Sarah. No, no, no. Not even two years ago. Last year. Like, within the last year. Did we have the podcast? Um, It was probably right before we had the podcast okay so i get in this cab and so it's like 25 minutes that's a hefty drive so like we get talking and i said something about like do you have debit he's like yeah i have debit he's like i don't use oh, debit. do you have debit what fucking year is this and he's like yeah i do and he's like i don't use debit myself though and i was like oh, oh no okay and then he's like they said there'll be signs and signs of the time there'll be wars and rumors of wars and as soon as i heard wars and rumors of wars i was like oh fuck like, this is killing my buzz i already have like i don't want to talk about this right now with you and he's like do you believe in god and i was like no i was like i grew up christian i don't know why i even answered i shouldn't have answered well, what, i know well like, i mean what are you gonna say nothing you can say will shut someone like that up no he's like the time is coming i see it and he's like everyone's like doing what they want now it's like the time of sodom and gomorrah like he was like out to lunch oh jeez. and then i was just like i just want to get to my friends i was like i tried to change the subject like i should have reported that because like it's not yeah i had a pastor yeah. that used to drive cab actually and he said it was the perfect time to witness when people were drunk oh. <laughs> but i think yeah. he had to do it because he just didn't make oh. enough money as a pastor and he had a bunch of kids and his wife stayed home oh so he made it seem like he wanted to drive a cab in order to witness to people he was he wasn't like i need the money he's like no i want more people to come to god that's so great what yep. the fuck oh my god sarah every interaction's an opportunity you might be the only bible that someone ever reads <laughs> did you ever hear that no i'm um, sure you know i might have Again, a lot of this was blocked out, but I don't like evangelizing and I don't never liked that. Yeah. I would have been the one in the group that distracted everybody so that we didn't actually treasure hunt. Okay, we got to move on from because we do have a couple more things to talk about. I wanted to talk about Revelation 20 verse 1 to 6 when they talk about this thousand years, because this actually gives us a bit of history on end times views what i'm going to do first is reread these six verses okay and then we're going to talk about the different views of the thousand years that they talk about in this so okay revelations 20 verse 1 to 6 if you're following along in your bibles i'll give you a second to get there and you sword fight with us. <laughs> did you ever do sword fights no because the bible is meant to be like the word of god like the sword 
in God's armor. Like the word of God is the sword. So it was a sword fight. They'd be like, first Timothy 513. And you'd be like going through your Bible. And the first person that went like that got a candy. You make me want to hang up the Zoom call. I'm going to hang up. I hate this so much. What are you talking about? I'm going to read this. Okay. So then I saw an angel coming from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized a dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw the thrones and seated on them were those to whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. That's an important verse. I wanted to reread this section because they talk about this thousand years. That's what I was taught. Okay, so what were you taught? That the thousand years would be all the Christians and Jesus living in like the new Jerusalem on the new earth for a thousand years while everybody else is in the lake of fire. And then we would all go up to heaven after that. After. Okay. So then Jesus would have come before to do the like Armageddon shit. Yeah. And then you would do the thousand years. Okay. Yeah. So what your church believed in was premillennialism. Okay. And you'll be happy to know that GodQuestions.org also believes in premillennialism. <laughs> I don't know if I'm so, happy. I don't know what to feel. I know. <laughs> I feel dead inside. So there are three views on what this thousand years means. So there is premillennialism. 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 Postmillennialism and amillennialism. So we'll talk about premillennialism <laughs> because the other ones are not as interesting. So post-millennialism they see christ's second coming as occurring after a golden age or era of christian prosperity and dominance they also believe that christ returns after like a period of time of this christian prosperity but not a literal thousand years and that the world will gradually be transformed by the spread of gospel and the work of the church resulting in a time of peace they also have a very optimistic view of the future. I think I like them. So that's what post-millennialism okay. is. Amillennialism is another one. And notable amillennialists are Martin Luther and John Calvin. Oh, the dudes. So that's interesting, right? Yeah. In amillennialism, the quote-unquote thousand years, it's happening right now. It's like a symbolic millennium. Symbolic oh, millennium. the thousand. Okay. Good thing Christianity's brought a lot of good to the world in the last thousand years. The Crusades mm-hmm. and... So much good. Shall so, I go on? Oh, go on. <laughs> so much good. Oh, God. Yeah. They understand the binding of Satan mentioned in Revelation as Christ's victory over the forces of evil through his death and resurrection. And the kingdom of God is already established spiritually in the present age with Christ ruling in the hearts of believers and through his church. So both post-millennialism and amillennialism they differ from pre-millennialism because of their understanding of like the timing and like actual nature of jesus return and the events associated with the end time so like i don't know a lot about these two views except for the definitions i've read and like a little more extra context but they seem a little better yeah than pre-millennialism which is exactly what you believed in it's a belief that the return of christ will occur before the millennial reign which is that period of a thousand years. They also hold that there will be a literal physical return of Jesus to earth. He'll establish that kingdom. They also believe in a period of intense tribulation that precedes the return of Christ. So like it's associated with like the catastrophes, the rise of the Antichrist, all of that. All the bowls and scrolls. All the bowls and scrolls. All the bowls and scrolls. Oh yeah. my god, that was that's really all I have good. To add right that's now. that's their band name, Bowls and Scrolls. Bowls and scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh my god. Okay, so and then some of them will believe that will be like the literal seven years of tribulation and disasters. That they think they talk that's like left behind series talks about that seven years. Many premillennialists hold to the belief in a pre tribulation rapture. So according to this view, believers will be caught up to meet Christ in the air escaping the tribulation period and being taken into heaven and will be spared yeah and this event is seen as a separate event from the second coming of jesus so those are the three views that have come up over the years premillennialism i think is a more batshit one and that's the one that left behind talks about that's one the hal Lindsay and the late great i feel like that one is very dominant in evangelical like right-wing charismatic Charismatic. right-wing like all the things that we're basically like talking about on this podcast 100 percent. this view is interesting because it wasn't really like a thing until like the 1800s someone named john darby popularized it in the 1830s john darby he was a preacher and he formed what is called the plymouth brethren movement also known as the exclusive brethren and the exclusive brethren was known for taking the bible like super literally sounds fun i know right (laughs) If you take the Bible literally, you know your life is going to be sick. Yeah, especially as a woman. That sounds Yeah, it's going to rock. (laughs) I can't think of anything worse. So his most popular thing that he brought to Christianity was dispensationalism. Dispensationalism is a way of understanding the Bible that says God has different plans for different times and different groups of people. Israel and the church are two distinct groups of people by the way. So God has a specific plan for Israel and God has a specific plan for the church. And everything written in the Bible is taken literally. So that's dispensationalism. He helped create and popularize that. And it's closely associated with premillennialism. And because they they hold that Jesus's return, it'll occur before the millennium, will involve the rapture, a period of tribulation, the second coming of Christ, and the establishment of his earthly kingdom. So dispensationalism is so closely associated with premillennialism that he also helped popularize premillennialism. And his dispensationalism belief and combined with his premillennialist beliefs led him to interpret biblical prophecy, specifically the book of Revelation, as a literal roadmap of future events. And then he wrote a lot. Like, so John Darby, he was at the Plymouth Brethren and he was just like writing all the time. But he wasn't like editing or like making it like really good. So there are people that like took his writing and other theologians popularized dispensationalism for him so someone named c.i schofield popularized it and the schofield reference bible became a standard resource within evangelical circles and played a crucial role in like spreading dispensationalist theory and it helped shape the beliefs and eschatological eschatological just means end times outlook of numerous bible students and contributed to the development of more dispensationalist figures and has continued on today. So there were other people like took his works and made it popular and like Hal Lindsey is one of them. So what I was trying to point out when I brought this up was that dispensational premillennialism was shaped by John Darby and popularized by other theologians, which is just basically like the snowball effect to bring us to Left Behind and all of the popular theories nowadays for and rapture and yeah like it just goes to show like these things start somewhere and then they snowball to where they are today yeah we've talked about left behind a lot but we never actually talked about like what it is i just want to say like i didn't know what left behind was until we started doing this podcast and after going on reddit and like on instagram and people talking about their experiences with the rapture with us it is wildly popular yeah. in christian circles it's like the harry potter for christians but it's like giving kids nightmares and they believe that it's like based on true future events yeah because that's what premillennialists believe this is what the evangelical circles believe this is what hal Lindsay wrote about this is what john darby believes this is what john on the island of patmos wrote and now here we are question sarah i have a yes. question for you sure last night 
we were hanging out at my parents' cottage, like a little bit high, talking about the episode that we're going to do today. And you said something about sleeping souls. Oh, soul sleep. Oh, soul sleep. And I said, stop talking because you need to talk about this tomorrow. So can you talk about that? Yeah, soul sleep. So I remember being horrified because I grew up being told that when someone died, they would go to heaven and meet Jesus right away. And then I ran into someone that believed in soul sleep. And within, I think they were in the Baptist church. I was pretty young, but I remember being horrified, being like, what? Like our souls are going to fall asleep until Jesus comes back? Essentially, that's what the belief is. It's that anyone who dies before the second coming of Jesus is just going to sleep. So like it's going to be like they're meeting Jesus, but they're going to be asleep until then. So like Abraham, Isaac, all the great people in the past, even the prostitutes like Rahab, Tamar, the ones that God likes, they're all going to just be asleep. And then when Jesus comes... Like they're, they haven't even met Jesus. No, they haven't met Jesus. So the actual belief in soul sleep is known as Christian mortalism. So it's a concept that after death, the soul remains in a state of unconsciousness until the resurrection. According to this belief, the soul does not immediately go to heaven or hell, but enters a state of rest or sleep, unaware of the passage of time. And this belief is based on a few different biblical passages. You have Ecclesiastes 9.5 that says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further regard, and even their name is forgotten. So this verse suggests that the dead are unaware of what happens after life. And then there's... Daniel 12 2 that says many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt so people believe that this refers to like the judgment of Christ and then in the New Testament in first Thessalonians 4 13 15 it says but we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So this passage refers to believers who have died as being asleep, implying a state of rest or unconsciousness until the coming of the Lord. The fuck? So. So how many people do you think believe this? It's a great question. I feel like, again, a little more obscure. I feel like if you look at general Christians, they'll be like, yeah, like I read my Bible and I pray and but no one's like looking at Christian mortalism. I think people just live their lives and I really don't think they care. And obviously the person that told me about that when I was like 11 or 12, like gave a lot of shits because they're like, no, you're not going to meet Jesus right away. Like you're yeah, gonna spoiler alert, it was me that told you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And <laughs> when we were twelve. But that like that threw me off. And I've had mm-hmm. so many moments like that. Cause when I was growing up, like I just thought that the way the Baptists interpreted the Bible was like that was the right way and everyone else was interpreting it wrong. Yeah, well that's what everybody thinks. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like I didn't know that. I was just like, We're right, they're wrong. How could they not see it this way? Then whenever someone would come with a different interpretation, I'd be like, whoa, how are there so many different interpretations? And that's when I got to the point being like, the Bible can say whatever you want it to say. Unfortunately, yeah. you can make an argument for. That's a sad day. As you, a kid, it is. You can kid. even make an argument for abortion on the Bible because like there's a verse in Psalms, I think, where God says like, blessed is he who dashes a baby's head into a rock. Like, <laughs> but like you could literally, you can oh, make it. God. And there are some good things in the Bible and there's some awful things and there are lots of just boring things that are obscure. But I'd say most of the things are boring and obscure. Even the verses that people take and interpret them to be something crazy. If I had read that, I I would have had a completely different interpretation of it. So we went through the notes really fast. This was a mishmash of... I was hoping that it was going to be more organized, but I wasn't able to make it more organized. So I hope it was for you guys. But I really wanted to say before we go is that I, like I said earlier, I posted something onto the Exvangelical subreddit. So thank you for those people who might be listening today that also commented um, asking for what you believed in growing up about the rapture what were you taught so all of these people that are on the ex-evangelical subreddit some of them are people that have deconstructed from evangelical christianity some of them are still christian it's just a deconstruction community yeah 
the stories are like wild. So there's about 71 comments and I'm going to put the link in our show notes so that you can go to the thread because I'm only going to read a few of them. And is this our story time with Sarah this week? Oh, okay. Do you want to do? Yeah. Story time with Sarah will actually just be us reading through the Reddit thread. Yeah. Okay. Welcome to story time with Sarah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a story from our favorite book, the Bible. Okay, so story time with Sarah is not going to be a Bible story. It's going to be people's traumatic rapture stories. So you can put away your Bible and you can just listen. Yeah, we're done with our sword fights today, everyone. The link is in the show notes. So the my favorite and the top comment is by Skater Girl Jubilee. So shout out. Thank you for commenting on this. As far as stories, we practiced drills for when the rapture came and we didn't go. According to them, you could lose your faith for anything. It was day to day. I went to a fundy Christian private school and we would hide under our desks like in nuclear bomb threats in the 60s, except I'm a millennial. And this was the 90s. My biggest memory during that time was being told by a classmate that my sister, brother and I wouldn't go to the rapture of heaven because we're black. My parents were raised us as white evangelicals, even though we're a black family in the South. So yeah, LOL. And the first comment says, the only response I can give to this is what the fuck. So that's my response to that one's so wild. Another story is... T Tree 20 is my family would listen to the radio dramatization of Left Behind that aired on a local Christian station. I was always terrified and second guessed myself as to whether I was really a Christian or not. I used to wake up in the middle of the night and go to check everyone was still asleep in bed and hadn't been raptured, leaving me alone. So why is this like the most common story in the whole world? So what the fuck is the radio dramatization of the Left Behind series? We'll have to listen to it. I have not heard the radio. I know there are books and movies, but... They're so fucking obsessed with Left Behind. So there's quite a few more comments. What makes me so sad about this thread is that the evangelical subreddit is pretty small. And there's like 70 people telling me a very similar story about terror that they were going to be left behind without their family. And there weren't real Christians because they called their brother a jerk last night and now they're not going to go to heaven. And that the Left Behind book scared the shit out of them. And they still have nightmares. And there is some stuff online about what's called rapture anxiety. And things that people are still dealing with today. Yeah, it's pure. It's 100% religious trauma. Or even complex PTSD from religion. Absolutely. So this is not something that I was taught as a child by my family or anything. The book of Revelation, in my experience... And I really, truly don't think I'm like blocking anything out here. I think it was a fanciful story that like, sure, Jesus is going to come back. But I don't think that it had the same weight to it. Nobody came to me and was like, Jesus is coming soon. Like, I think people in my circle were just like, he could be. See, to me, it was like, you need to be ready for every single moment because Jesus could come back like any day. There's this one person I know, I knew really well growing up, that's a generation older, and they, like, joined a cult. Like, they're in a cult, their family, their marriage fell apart, they're in a cult. And this person, I remember before they joined the cult, they were also Baptist. And anytime we went to lunch or something when I was growing up, they'd be like, Sarah, what would you do if Jesus came back tomorrow? Would you have things that you have to answer to or things you'd have to ask forgiveness for? <laughs> yeah. I remember like the last time I saw this person, I was like 15. We were at fucking like Pizza Hut and they asked me that. Oh my God. But you know, my thought after wasn't like, that was weird. My thought was like, oh, there are things I need to figure out. Oh God. I think the part where people are like, oh, religious trauma, church hurt. Why are you so butthurt over this? When you're a child, you grow up watching Disney movies and there's things that are scary in them. But you know that these are just stories. If you asked your parents, they'd be like, oh, it's just a story. It's not real. But when you are watching Left Behind or when you're hearing the radio version of it, which we did not know existed and have to find. (laughs) We must find this. You believe these things are going to happen. And the worst part is we don't know when they're going to happen, but they can happen like any moment. And in the school of thought, like since Israel was established, it's we are running out of time on this clock here because the people there are getting super fucking old. And so it's traumatic. Well, I think that's kind of the whole thing about the Book of Revelation. I didn't read the Left Behind series growing up. I didn't even know it existed. If I did, I would have been like, this is a fiction story and it's pure fiction. I grew up 
reading Harry Potter or I maybe some people read the book It by Stephen King. You can reason with yourself as you get older to be like, oh, okay, yes, I was scared of this as a child. I read it when I was too young, but it's not real. But then the problem with Left Behind is that it's technically fiction, but people believe that the characters are fictional, but the events will actually happen. Yeah. And maybe not exactly as they roll out. Yeah. I really can't fathom, like the amount of PTSD that I would have as a person if that's what I was taught as a child I would be I can understand why people are so their trauma is so complex and they're so terrified and the deconstruction of just the book of revelation is so complex and I'm getting like angry and emotional and triggered and it's funny because you this wasn't even one of the issues that I like went down the rabbit hole for this is surface this wasn't one of the ones that I like studied in super depth like since 2001 yeah what happened in 2001 Uh, we did a bible study series on it when i was in grade six oh yeah i so appropriate so i wanted to watch one video on tiktok that i have saved because i didn't know how much tiktoks we would get into unfortunately i just think we're running out of time it doesn't mean that we won't continue this series at some point right now this part two is part two and there hopefully will be a part three whether it's here or on patreon but this one TikTok is really interesting. So this is Haystacks and Hell. They are a fellow podcast, one of the fellow deconstruction podcasts, but they are specifically a Seventh-day Adventist deconstruction podcast. And this TikTok was just quite interesting. I asked them if I could put it in the podcast and they said yes. Okay. I grew up Seventh-day Adventist on the West Coast of the United States. And we were taught that in the end times, Catholics and other Sunday-keeping Christians were going to hunt us down and try to unalive us. SDAs go to church on Saturday instead of Sunday. It's a big point of pride, a big part of the identity. And so the thinking is, because we're different and we're not doing what everybody else is doing, the Catholic Church is going to try and bring us in line. Not every Adventist believes this today, but many grew up this way. Many were taught this to the point where some Adventist boarding schools and churches even put on end time simulation events. Some people had to build tents in the forest out of leaves and sticks. One church even put on an event where people dressed up as cops and military people simulating a kidnapping to prepare Adventists for the end times. Huge religious trauma for many people. Isn't that wild? Jeez. That's like the story that was shared in the post on Reddit. Yeah, so he wanted me to just reiterate that not every Adventist believes this. However... It is something that they were taught as kids. So like hashtag not all Seventh-day Adventists, not all Christians. Like, you know, Actually, I mean? yeah, yeah. And I mean, we should say we've said a lot of things about Christians this episode. Obviously, not, yeah, every not Christian all Christians this. believe like, this. Not all evangelicals, not all Baptists. But it kind of goes to show that like Seventh-day Adventists are definitely like a sect of Christianity. They are very separate from like evangelical Christianity, charismatic Christianity but they have their own specific views of the end times and thinking that other Christians, the Catholics, the whatever, are going to hunt them down. I know people that believe that the Pope was the Antichrist. I bet there's a whole TikTok rabbit hole about that, Sarah, that I'm not going down, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that believe that. Hopefully not a lot. I'm sure there's just a few, but I just wanted to show that video because it goes to show that there are likely several different types of end times prophecies depending on the denomination of Christianity that you're in. Mormons have their own as well. Most religions have some sort of end time story. Yeah, and they're all kind of different. So, Sarah. Yes. What did we learn today? I learned that Revelation even triggered me. I didn't know that. I just always thought it was weird and I found it like interesting. And you said you thought Book of Revelation was awesome yeah i feel like when i was a teenager everyone was like oh it's so fucked up like it's crazy i think i always thought it was crazy but i didn't think it would actually happen no i feel like i've learned a lot by doing the research on the book of revelation and i'm glad that i was the one that to do it because i think that i really needed to understand it better and understand why there are people prominent people in this world people that are supposed to be professionals and like congress people and politicians that believe that jesus is coming and the end is near and i think that's very upsetting that they want that they want this to happen to their fellow humans they're like fuck you 
you're going to burn in lakes of sulfur. You're going to be on cruise ships and die. All the stars are going to fall from the sky. You're going to be crushed by hail, like bowls and scrolls all the way down. Bowls and scrolls. And you're going to have boils all over your skin. And the locusts are coming for you. And and they're celebrating that. Yeah. It is beyond fucked up that somebody would think that's a good thing. Well, we deserve it because we're inherently bad and we haven't accepted Jesus and denied our human nature. What fucking makes you think you're going to go to heaven? If you're someone who's celebrating this, you're not fucking going to heaven. Jesus doesn't want you. Jesus wants the nice people if he's even real. He was real probably, but he's dead now. He's not coming back because nobody comes back from the dead. Not even Jesus. Unless you're at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Have they ever brought anyone back from the dead? That's a great question. Sarah, I think I know the answer. You don't even have to look it up. It's no. Have you heard of Francis Chan? No. He claimed that he teleported. He's like this Oh my God. You know what? We're not going down this rabbit hole right now. Thank you all so much for listening. Check out our thread on Reddit in the show notes. Just a quick announcement. We have one more episode coming out after this. And then we have no regular episodes coming out in August. We will be starting back up in September. We just need a break because we're tired. But there is still one more episode. And I just wanted to let you guys know. And we'll announce that again. And we love you. And buy merch if you want. Yeah. Okay. I'm done. We're tired. Okay. Okay. Bye. 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 Love It's interesting that this just, it just continued. Like we fucking Christians, man. Okay. Um, he also, <laughs> you're like, I'm not going to finish this idea. I'm just going to say fucking Christians. <laughs> like, fucking Christians. I know. I'm just so tired.